The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with Sam Farmer, the award-winning sports writer for the LA Times. He's covered the NFL for 20 years. He's also one of the hosts of a great podcast. It's called Your Artificial Friends. Sam, what's the scene from your career that you replay in your mind most frequently? Well, no, I think it it was the 1988 World Series, Game 1, Kirk Gibson's Homer. And I was that night at Occidental College covering, uh, I just graduated from Occidental College, and I was working at the LA Times as a stringer, part-time uh, desk assistant. And I was covering an Occidental College football game. And uh, so here's, you know, a pivot, what turned out to be one of the seminal nights in the history of Los Angeles sports. And I'm, I'm at a division three football game and I, you know, this back in those days, you, you, you used pay phones to call into the desk and check your story, check the guy in. And I, I didn't really understand the dynamic that they probably weren't waiting uh, with bated breath for my Occidental college <laughs> story. Game one of the World Series when the Dodgers are playing and and the way that it ended, uh, but I I thought boy, if I don't get my story in, um, the paper is not going to land on 1.5 million doorsteps tomorrow morning, and it's all resting on me. So I remember being at the payphone um, with notebook in hand trying to dictate a division three football story. And if you can imagine, I probably waited outside the payphone for some college girls to stop talking on it. And I finally <laughs> secured the phone and I call 1-800 LA times and I call the sports desk and, and I uh, am flipping through my notebook, you know, sort of panicking and, and, I'm saying, you know, uh, in the first quarter, Occidental College gained 37 yards on the ground, and and the desk uh, copy editor on the other end was Steve Henson, and Steve sort of loosely cupped his hand over the phone and said, does anybody want Farmer? He's gagging. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, and I thought... <laughs> it was the most discouraging thing. Here I am gagging on the line. Finally, he gets back on the phone line. He said, Sam, breathe into a paper bag and call us back and hangs up. And for me, that was a critical inflection point in my career when I realized, listen, this isn't, uh, I'm not saving lives here. Um, I may not. I'm going to try my best to have my best story every night, but I'm not, uh, my career doesn't hang on one night's performance. And by unclenching like that, I'm thinking back to that moment. It's really helped me throughout my career just to remember to breathe and listen, when, when you unclench physically and sort of psychologically unclench like that, 
you tend to turn in a better performance. And, you know, I think of my story sometimes as a, the way I think of a, a, a golf shot. Sometimes you hit a shot and you think, you know, you're on a par three, you're right at the pin and, and you think that might go in the hole. And you, you realize that the good shots are never quite as good as you thought they were. And the bad shots often aren't as bad as you th- thought they were. Well, I pick up the paper in the morning and sometimes the, the leads I was really happy with, uh, they're fine. That works fine. And the ones that I just cringed and, and cringe and don't want to look at, uh, they're not as bad as I thought they were. So it's sort of a roundabout way of saying, you know, I've had lots of experiences over the years, whether it's, you know, climbing Mount Rainier with Roger Goodell or being spending a week with Pete Carroll or hanging out with John Madden on a Sunday or some really cool, cool things. Uh, just la- a couple of weeks ago, I was in the booth with Troy Aikman for a, a whole game, spent 48 hours with him before a game. But I think back to those days when you really had to um, uh, do everything yourself. And that's covering high school football, covering small college football, and uh, where stuff wasn't handed to you. And, and you learned a lot of your best lessons then. So while you were at that game in 88, you're at an Occidental College football game. Did you know what had happened in the Dodger game? It seems to me I did. And whether that was a TV in the sort of hard scrabble press box of Occidental College or a radio or something, I knew um, that Kirk Gibson had hit a home run to win the game. Um, but uh, I didn't know the magnitude of, of okay. what uh, had occurred. But yeah, that so, was. Uh, so then when, yeah. when, when Steve got back on the phone after he. I presume nobody said yes to anybody. One farmer, he's gagging. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did uh, how did you continue? Uh, I probably took a breath and thought, you know what? If it's not that important to them, if they aren't frantically, um, you know, assuming battle station positions, then it's probably not a code red situation for me. So I'm sure that I composed myself and took a deep breath and produced a terrible story. (laughs) But you, but you still have to, you still have to feel pressure and stress when writing. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not possible just to sit there unclenched all the time when when writing on deadlines. When was the when was the last time that you that you really felt stressed writing a story? Well, when was my last story? Oh. I mean, <laughs> okay. I'm always going to feel a little stress, a little pressure. Some of them flow, and those are the beautiful, rare ones. Um, some stories tell themselves. You just sort of get out of the way. But a lot of times, deadline stories, you are, um, you know, it, it, Ian O'Connor taught me a great thing, and, and this was sort of later in my career, or more recently in my career. And that is, he's just supremely prepared going into a story. Um, whether, and it, say it's a Super Bowl column, and you realize you need to turn that column pretty quick. 
and you're going to want something unique. And so he will have reams of stories on the topic that he will have gone through, marked up, everything. And a lot of times you just need that as sort of a, a confidence boost. So look, if all else fails, I know the you know, the the Russell Wilson story, like the back of my head and the chronology of what happened. And maybe I'll write about Russell, Russell Wilson. And once you have that sort of security blanket of, okay, I have a story, then, then that allows you to unclench and you work faster and you can make time slow down. You can manipulate time. And that's something early in your career that, as you know, the, the hand of the clock spins very quickly uh, and deadline can be upon you very quickly. Whereas later in your career, as you get more confident and more competent, um, you can almost slow down time and say, you know what? I've got a second to think about this. I can turn this line in a better way. I can say this in a different way. And so being prepared like that, as prepared as Ian O'Connor is, for instance, going into a story, um, allows you, affords you the opportunity to breathe. And, you know, I think about Ian, the two of us in San Francisco at the Super Bowl, um, which was uh, Broncos Panthers. And, you know, we both went into that very prepared and, uh, we met up in the, the tunnel and, and another thing, I, I always like to wear a coat and tie when, especially at a big event, um, whereas a lot of people don't dress that way. I think that tends to, and I know you do dress that way. It can often open doors for you that you weren't expecting. And so you have to sort of dress the part. And I remember being at that Super Bowl and, they were turning people back from the field. Uh, there was a lot of security. And he and I walked very confidently side by side out onto the field, the two of us, and made a beeline for the Mannings because we thought, hey, this might be Peyton's last game. And we bumped into Steve Young coming off the field and talked to him briefly, got some stuff from him, and then got to Cooper and Olivia Manning and a lot of the grandkids. And that's when Olivia told the two of us, I don't want him to play beyond. I want this to be his last moment. And Peyton doesn't want his mom saying that, but here she said that to us and we got that exclusively. And then we ran into Archie and got him alone. And so the two of us, so that sort of forged us, uh, helped, we were friends anyway, but uh, I have a lot of respect for him um, and what he does, how he conducts himself uh, in. And and so that's a shared memory that we have. Um, but a lot of that had to do with, A, being prepared. So we would not be sitting up in the press box, um, pulling our hair out, thinking, what are we going to write? How are we going to write this different? And B... Um, you know, coming to a game looking somewhat professional, which allowed us to walk out on your field when we probably shouldn't have been out there. Sam, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. 
All right. Great. Noah. Talk to you later, bud. Sam's words about unclenching and being prepared certainly aren't exclusive to journalism, and they also reveal a lot about the person Sam is. There are so many people, especially when you're covering a major sporting event and you're on site for a week, that while they're talking to you, are looking around to see who else is there to chat with. Not Sam. He's always present. If you have a moment from your career that you frequently replay in your mind, let us know on Twitter at LA Times Farmer and at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. And remember to check out Sam's podcast with his college buddies, your artificial friends. And what's preventing you from clicking the five-star rating on iTunes? What's so hard about writing 10 words about why you like the follow-up? I promise there's an episode for everyone. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.